This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, aren't you glad the elections are over? Uh, what do you mean they're not? It's going to take how long? Ay, ay, ay. All righty. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo. <laughs> James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, here with you on 77 WABC. Election week, election month continues. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And, yes, of course. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of votes. This is the political story. Hundreds of thousands of votes still being counted in key Senate states. Dozens of House races also remain uncalled Thursday, as does control of the chamber. Now, depending on who you read, Republicans at this point have either either 209, 210, or 211 of the seats that they need to reach the 218 margin. It may surprise to you that uh, even in California, there's counting. And in California, the officials are saying, why, this could take weeks to resolve. It could take weeks. This is the United States of America. And here we are, and you know why? Because they blame, they don't blame, they say the reason it could take weeks is because of mail-in ballots. Now, isn't it just funny? We used to have Election Day. Election Day would come and go. And then, 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 Election Night, we'd all sit by our television sets, watch the TV, and go to bed, unless it was Dewey versus Truman, go to bed, and for pretty much most of the uh, elections in the country, you'd know who won. By the end of the night, you'd know who won Congress, you'd know who won the Senate. Not anymore. Nada. Niet. Those days are over. In Nevada, new mail-in, mail-in ballots are still arriving. Now, the ballots have to have a USPS postmark by Election Day, but as long as they're delivered by November 12th, they're going to be counted. In Clark, for example, an additional additional 12,700 ballots were received from the Postal Service just yesterday. Those are going to be processed later in the week. Another big tranche of ballots that need to be counted in Clark are roughly 57,000 that were put in those marvelous little drop boxes. You know, the ones that people don't want you looking at and recording who actually drops things in those boxes? Those boxes. 
Then there's Maricopa County. Maricopa County. We have some audio from Maricopa County, the official in Maricopa County, explaining to us what is happening there. By the way, yesterday I said there were 440,000 and some odd ballots out in Maricopa County. Uh-uh, I was wrong. Apparently there were over 600,000. Oh, 600,000. And now the number is about 400,000. Here's what our illustrious officials out in Maricopa County had to say to a reporterette. Again, when Who's you laughing? anticipate the votes will be counted in total, those 400,000-plus votes. Well, we have... Uh... We will be going into next week. There's some onesie twosies again, pursuant to Arizona law. But I think that we'll see the lion's share here wrap up by early next week. Early, early next, next week. week. Can you give me a day? Are we early, talking Monday? Or we may, may, maybe I, as long. Are you kidding yeah, yeah. me? Yeah. So you know, early next week. Now there is a woman who calls herself conservative mama, and she has explained why. It takes so much time in Maricopa County to count the votes. And this is the explanation from conservative mama. I am just here to let you all know that it's going to take some time. It's going to take so, so much time. It just takes a lot of time, and I want you to know how much time it's going to take. It's going to take time on top of time, and then you combine those times together, and then you've got the space in between time. It's just so much time. And I know this is a fairly new thing on how much time it takes, but... We just take the time needed that time needs for us to take time. And sometimes time requires a lot of time. And this is one of those times where the time is just going to take so much time. So with that said, just know it's going to take some time. And that is it. That is it for me. (laughs) Thank you for your time. Yeah. That makes sense. The weed. I, I mean, I was confused about what was taking so long, and I think she really did. She got. She nailed it. It she takes time. It. I need it. Yeah. Well, when we get back, speaking of time, Senator Robert Johnson, who won this, uh, his race, ah, such a refreshing thing to say. <laughs> Senator Whoa. Robert Johnson is <laughs> scheduled to join us. Let us uh, take the time right now to take a time out from time, and we will return very shortly in time if you stay right where you are. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is The Rush Hour with those Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly with you here. It is our Thursday Rush Hour. Princess Di will join us tomorrow. lost your faith in science, I don't blame you. Sting brings us back. Well, I haven't, but... my faith in you, there would be nothing, nothing else for me to lose. Heck yeah. I'll tell you what, you might lose your faith in mail-in ballots, but one of these days, faith will be restored in the American electoral process. And I am so glad right now to welcome Senator Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, I'm doing well Bo, but I'm really calling just to thank you and your audience uh, for helping me. Because... Uh, Radio Tasha hosts like yourself that, uh, first of all, educate the public, but uh, also audiences that uh, during the campaign where I'd call in and give them the old website, uh, people responded and provided me the resources to uh, really defend myself against all the lies and character assassination and, and survive this uh, this re-election. So I want to thank you and your audience. Well, sir, it is my pleasure and honor to have had you on the program and to have you on the program you said from the very beginning that this was going to be a tough race. You told us the very first time you joined us here when um, when you announced you were running again uh, to this audience that they should expect this to maybe come down to the wire, but you thought that you, with the help of good people of this country, would be able to prevail. And this one did come down sort of, we were wondering, after it looked like you had crossed the threshold of victory, it still wasn't announced for a little bit of time, and some of us were getting a little anxious, but indeed you did prevail. What do you think, um, why do you think, by the way, that they didn't announce it right away? Oh, I'm pretty sure the, the Mandela Barnes campaign was talking to the networks, uh, trying to give them uh, as much time as possible to find something that they could use, uh, pr- probably See if they just couldn't come up with enough votes to get us at one percent or below, so you could do a recount, bring in Mark Elias, like uh, 
that we did in Florida quite a few years ago against Rick Scott and just try and manufacture uh, votes. But uh, the good news is uh, you know, we, we went on the offense, so we had all the data. And uh, we haven't completely fixed our election system here, but uh, we had a very robust election integrity component to my campaign, you know, combined with the RNC, the NRSC, the Republican Party of Wisconsin here. We had attorneys. We had 5,000 poll workers uh, versus 1,650 in 2020. We had filled every uh, poll observation shift. Uh, so we, we had eyes on the ground. Uh, we challenged a number of uh, uh, activities, uh, won lawsuits. So uh, we, re we restored some credibility. Uh, we restored confidence to our election system here. So when, when the votes were uh, when the election was over and they started counting the votes and stuff, we had a pretty pretty high level of confidence that whatever the vote came in because we were following, you know, the chain of custody of the ballots and the, the flash drives. And, I mean, we really did a pretty good job from that standpoint. And, so, you know, I won, obviously, our gubernatorial candidate lost. So on a bipartisan basis, everybody accepted the results, and that's, that's a good thing. Now, we have things to, to fix yet in the state, and it's very disappointing that our – gubernatorial candidate lost because now we're not going to have a governor that will actually sign the, the real election reforms. But um, they, they were they were playing games. The networks were they, they hate my guts. And uh, they were trying to afford Mandela Barnes as much opportunity as possible to, to uh, mess with the results if they could. Now, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, and I don't know what this says. Maybe Maybe you can speculate on this. I was very disappointed looking at the results of New York. Um, in one in one aspect, number one, I think Lee Zeldin actually may be responsible for uh, the number of congressional seats that flipped in New York, and that may yet provide the margin of victory for retaining the House of Representatives. It could be those New York seats, and I think that one of the issues that was big was crime. Now, crime raised its head in your race too. You had Mandela Barnes who openly openly said that he wanted to dump the prison population, get get rid of it by half. These guys are not even, uh, Senator, they're not even making a secret about their disdain for holding criminals and making criminals accountable for their actions. When I look at things like that, I say, well, this isn't going to be close. No one wants criminals on the street, but apparently in New York, voters want criminals roaming the streets. That's what they voted for, and Mandela Barnes came very close, uh, closer than to me he should have given his hostility toward keeping, um, toward, toward providing basic security for the people of the state. Do you think that this, are we looking at this issue the wrong way? No, well, first of all, I, you know, the question I'm asking is how bad does it have to get before Democrat voters open up their eyes and realize, you know, these policies are insane. I mean, the out-of-control deficit spending sparking 40-year high inflation, the war on fossil fuel, you know, creating record gasoline prices, high energy prices, which also impact inflation, the, the, the soft-on crime policies, which, were, which really was the issue uh, in, in certainly my campaign against Lieutenant the Governor Barnes, but there are all kinds of different things that indicated uh, you know, what a radical he was. The open borders, the flood of deadly drugs. I mean, how bad does it have to get for Democrat voters to say, no, we're, we're going to reject these things and 
know, may, maybe give Republicans a chance. Um, I think that's probably the most disappointing part of the result here. Um, but it shows the power of the mainstream media is what I would argue. The Democrats had no problem lying. You know, not in my race, not in all these races across the board. That's disappointing that you've got a political party that with impunity from President Obama to President Biden to you know, all these candidates just lie through their teeth. And unfortunately, the mainstream media amplifies their lies. Uh, they feed them uh, distorted stories. The, the mainstream mess press will uh, publish those stories, give them a headline that they'll use in their ads. I mean, it's a circular process. It's a you know, they've got a good, good little thing going there. Uh, our education system, our media, and the, the radical left and the Democrat Party are all cooperating together. And uh, it's all coming to fruition, and it's a very powerful force. And I, that's, that's quite honestly what I uh, credit the, the Democrats' uh, uh, success in not in pushing back a red wave. In a sane world, we would have had a red tsunami. Let me ask you a question about Social Security, about the other entitlement programs. Now, there are a lot of politicians, especially on the Republican side, that wouldn't dare do what you did and actually even bring up the fact that we need to reform some of these entitlement programs because they know as soon as they mention Social Security, as soon as they mention any of the other entitlement programs, they know that whatever they say is going to be distorted in the mainstream press is going to be distorted by your political opponents. You knew that before you, what made you decide that you wanted to, I mean, you don't lie to your voters. You said that you want you say you want to reform some of these things that are going bankrupt. Why even bother telling people that when you know, whatever you say is going to be distorted? Why do you do it? But what, what's the point in trying to serve an office if you're not trying to solve these problems? I, you know, I'm trying to save Social Security. So since before I ran in 2010 or when I first started running, I was talking about how Social Security is a pay-as-you-go system. It is. Uh, you don't have money. Your money that you pay in the system isn't put in an account for you. Um, it gets you know, accounted for, but that money is spent on current retirees. It's a, it's a pay-as-you-go system, which worked fine uh, back when there were 45 workers for every one recipient. Now we're under three workers for every recipient. Uh, benefits now are uh, so there are more benefits uh, being paid out than revenue coming into the Social Security system. So now the trust fund is is decreasing, and the biggest risk to Social Security is when that trust fund runs out, will we have the full faith and credit of the uh, general fund to plus up the benefits to you know make up for the shortfall in the revenue when you no no longer have the bonds. And quite honestly, will we have the financial wherewithal to have the Treasury float more bonds? Uh, because that's all that happens when you know the Social Security Trust Fund issues a you know tries to redeem a bond, the Treasury just wants another bond, and the U.S. government's got to be able to borrow that money. And the risk, and, and here's here's the dollars and cents. Uh, if we would just revert to the average interest rate the federal government paid on its debt over the last three decades of the previous century. 5.4 percent. We've been keep, keeping interest rates artificially low at 1.4 percent to accommodate all this deficit spending. That would add $1.2 trillion per year to our interest payment, which would have to be paid without defaulting, which would make or interest rates skyrocket even further. $1.2 trillion is what we spend on Social Security this year. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what everybody is whistling past the graveyard on. 
And so I, I'm just telling people the facts. I'm, I'm saying this is what we need to avoid. We can't afford spending, let's say, $369 billion on the Green New Deal energy boondoggles, corporate welfare going into the pockets of Al Gore, if we want to expect, if we expect the federal government to be able to plus up benefits when the trust fund runs out. So, you know, people don't like hearing the truth, but I just relentlessly tell it. Let me ask you another question, because right now the health care entitlements, um, what Obama promised us when he, when the Democrats, without a Republican vote, shoved Obamacare down the throats of America, what they promised us that is that we would watch the curve on health care bend. It would get lower. We were promised that average savings would be about $2,000 a year over what people were paying then. None of that has materialized, not to mention the other things that you'd be able to keep doctors and all that stuff, which it all turned out to be false. So we've had our health care system in America turned upside down, and now we've lived it with it for so long that people are used to it, but none of the cost savings from this have ever materialized. And the federal entitlements, Medicare, Medicaid, all of this stuff is still rising in cost every year. Are we going to be able to promise future generations that they're going to get the health care that they need, either privately or through the government? Well, first of all, you were right. The uh, you know, Obama's promise that if you like your health care or your doctor, you can keep it. Uh, that was the PolitiFact uh, lie of the year in 2013. The reason I think it's not such a big issue is the main pain of the, the Obamacare falls on a very small percentage of the American population, people who buy insurance on the individual market and actually have to access those Obamacare policies. about the 5 6 7% of the American population, and they're the ones that have seen their premiums double, triple, quadruple because we made them bear the full cost burden of covering people with pre-existing conditions rather than spraying that over everybody where we barely even notice it, we forced it on that. The reason it's not such a big deal, it's a small percentage of the population, and so many of those people have their health care totally paid for by the government. And so it just gets, you know, flies under everybody's radar, and, and people don't notice it. Just incre- It's just part of the additional cost of government that we can't afford. Um, but, no, you know, all, all this uh, health care, these health care costs continue to rise because we have a broken health care financing system. We've removed the discipline or the benefits of a, a free market system out of health care because of the th- these third-party payer systems. Um, but that's another thing people are just whistling by the graveyard on. When, when you've got 70% of the federal budget on called mandatory spending, and that's what got me in trouble here is I say, you know, we ought to put everything together. We shouldn't have dif- differentiation between mandatory and discretionary. It ought to be one big budget. budget. That's what it is for families. And that's where people uh, you know, started ripping into me that I want to put it on the chopping block. No, I, I want to save these programs, but we're not even looking at them in a, in a realistic way. And, of course, we, we saw so many problems with our entire medical establishment during COVID. Uh, you know, the top-down nature of it, uh, not letting doctors practice medicine and be doctors, uh, dictated by the, the likes of Fauci who just don't practice medicine. They don't know what they're talking about. So there are a lot of problems in our society, but particularly in our healthcare system was exposed during COVID. One, one of the reasons I decided to run again is to advocate for the vaccine injured, for example. Yes, and I hope that we see some progress on that. And I hope, I am so hopeful. What do you think the chances are that we will have control of the Senate? We. Well, 
Mm. Yeah, it's it. We we, we should have gained control. Uh, it's looking like it's pretty tenuous right now. It may come down to uh, to Georgia. You know, hopefully, Adam Laxalt can win in Nevada. Uh, I listened to uh, Carrie Lake on another program. She seems pretty confident of uh, a lot of the battles that haven't been counted yet. But by the way, just a quick aside, isn't that outrageous? Outrageous. I mean, um, come on. You know, you cannot get your votes in. I mean, you know, I, I always adhere to the KISS principle, keep it simple. Um, we have overcomplicated our election systems to the point where they're almost dysfunctional. You know, we are the most technologically advanced nation in the world. We cannot run an election in certain states, in, this, in the same states, over and over and over again. It is, it is beyond disgusting. It's almost but it, by, by, like by design, isn't it, Bo? Yeah, it does appear to be by design. Gee, isn't that strange? Well, we are so glad that you were able to, to have the election integrity unit in place. And I know you must thank all those people who volunteered, who went to the polls, did not sit home, didn't sit this one out. And I thank them, too. And, and for this audience, thank you. Uh, Senator Johnson, for standing up for conservative principles and not being afraid to tell the truth about the dire circumstances that our finances as a nation are in. Thank you so much, and we are so glad that you won re-election. Well, again, thank you for your help and support. Have a great day. Stay well. Thank you. Senator Ron Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, he did win, and thanks all of you in this audience who supported him and support conservatism. We appreciate it. We'll be right back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is fun day. Stevie brings us back. Are the Giants still in third place? Technically. No, no, I'm sorry. That was a yes or no. Are they still in third? That's so the that answer. would be that would be yes. Technically. <sighs> they both have the same record, so technically. Uh-huh. And is Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia still unbeaten? Unfortunately, yes, they are. Nine and zero. What? How does that happen? Correction, 8-0, but yes, they are still undefeated. And that team upstate New York, the ones upstate, 
Are they still like in first place in their division? They are in first place ahead of the New York Jets. Oh, oh well. Glad I don't watch football. Anyway. We're looking forward to hearing you this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, new developments with the Commanders franchise. You'll hear that more on the Crooked Competitors Report. Coming up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Remember, Catch at Night comes up next. Oh, uh, I have a special report for you Democrats um, in New York and Democrats in the audience. This ought to make your heart sing a little bit. Ought to be very pleased with yourselves. A convicted murderer released on parole less than three months ago tried to kidnap an eight-year-old girl in front of her dad in the Bronx this week. His name is Juan Rivera. Or, or yeah, or, or Juan Rivera. He's 52 years old. He was just released in August, you know, part of the Democrats let him let the crooks out of jail program. This guy had been previously convicted of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 25 years to life. Life? <laughs> What's that to Democrats? No, no, please let them out. He was released. Uh, uh, he he was, was convicted, sent to prison back in 2005. Less than 25 years later, he's back on the streets where he was arrested again, tried to snatch an 8-year-old girl right in front of her dad. Doesn't this make you Democrats just so grateful and you liberals so grateful? I mean, because we all know it's so racist, right, to keep the crooks in jail and to keep the criminals in jail. I mean, I wonder what else is racist. I wonder what else racist is going on in our society. Hmm? Oh, we have a Fox News story. About what? A lottery accused of systemic racism after massive Powerball payout. Uh, Researchers told CNN that the lottery disproportionately preys on black and brown communities. What? Raising Cane CEO A.J. Kumaran shares why uh, he bought 50,000 lottery tickets for all his employees as the Mega Millions jackpot hits $810 million. Um, I mean, it's just the same. There's really no reason. So now the lottery is racist because it preys. Even though, uh, even though the CEO bought 50,000 lottery tickets for his employees, presumably not all Caucasian, but, uh, <laughs> apparently it's still, it's still racist. So let me get this. The Powerball is racist because the Powerball preys on. According to CNN, yes. So they're preying on the, uh, Persons of color, people, people, peoples of color, like yourself. Do you buy lottery tickets? Heck yeah, I buy lottery uh, tickets. There you go. See, you're wasting your money. You're just uh, you're, you're you're being preyed. What about, about if you win? They don't address that in the article. You got to be in it to win it, baby. They don't say anything about if you win. What color? I don't even know what color were the people that won in California. I don't know. What do I care? <laughs> well, I didn't win. Be interesting to know. Yeah, I don't buy lottery tickets all the time, but when there's a Powerball and somebody's waving $2 billion in front of your face, I mean, look, $2 billion, I mean, that takes care of a lot of mortgage payments, right? You would think, yes. So maybe, would... maybe not in California, but elsewhere in the country. <laughs> it does help out. Oh, my goodness. 
Okay, so criminals back on the streets preying on citizens. That ought to make you liberals feel happy. Yeah, you got exactly what you wanted. The criminals, you know, let them out of jail because they're racist. Never mind what they do to the society. And now, of course, the Powerball is racist. On that happy note, let's get to the telephones. And let's start in North Carolina with Rama. Rama, how are you? Welcome to Boston Early's Rush Hour. Hello. I love your show. You're my uh, four to five. I wait to listen to your show, first of all. I love your show. Thank you so much. The second point is that uh, Katie Hobbs, she is Secretary of State. She knew the elections was coming. Why wasn't she prepared? You know when you go to the exam, you know you have to study. She knew why can't she have the printers, the tabulators, all that stuff checked out. What is wrong with that picture? Again, because Maricopa County had these problems before, and you were asking such a legitimate question. Now, how in the world are the people, and by the way, just for the record, this guy Bill Gates that's in charge of the uh, the uh, elections out in Maricopa County, apparently he's a Republican, but that doesn't make a difference. The Secretary of State is supposed to run these elections. Now, let us remember something, folks. Rama brings up an amazing point here about our beautiful Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who's running for the governorship, is in charge of the elections. She knew. They knew. And they also know how many mail-in ballots they send out, and they know how many approximately would be coming back in, or at least they can model that number. Why weren't they prepared? This goes back to something Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson just said. It's almost as if this is by design. That's so strange. But remember, it takes time, Rama. That's the one thing we've learned. It takes time on top of time and in between time to count ballots in America these days. Thank you so much for the call. Bo Snurley's Rush Hour coming back. More of your calls coming right up. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurley. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Republicans have made it clear that if they do take control of the House, that they want to launch a raft of investigations on day one into your handling of Afghanistan, the border. Uh, They want to look into some of your cabinet officials. They want to investigate you. They may even want to investigate your son. What's your message to Republicans who are considering investigating your family and particularly your son Hunter's business dealings? Lots of luck in your senior year, as my coach used to say. Look, um, I think the American public wants to move on and get things done for them. And, uh, you know, I heard that there were, uh, it was reported, whether it's accurate or not, I'm not sure, but it was reported many times that Republicans were saying, and the former president said, how many times are you going to impeach Biden? Yeah, I mean, you know, impeachment proceeding against Biden. I mean, I think, the re- I think the American people will look at all of that for what it is. Come on, It's man. just uh, almost comedy. I mean... It's, uh, but, you know, look, I can't control what they're going to do. All I can do is continue to try to make life better for American people. Anniversary. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake. Gordon Lightfoot. And Bob James bring us back. 
on WABC. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. 1975. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales the of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American Let's side. get back to the telephones here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Rockland County, George, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I have a request. Okay. Yes. So uh, I just uh, heard you supporting, and it was great. I was really appreciative about it. Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So my mm-hmm. request from you is, can you do the same thing now that he has a runoff with Herschel Walker? And if you could bring it up as many times that you feel it's possible, and maybe people will send him some money, and hopefully he will be uh, doing something good for the We will try to get Herschel Walker on. Not only that, we have been trying to get so many of the people we know you want to hear from on. Of course, political season is very busy. We have the best producers in the country right here at WABC, the best bookers. We are working on it. So, Thank you for that. We're on it. In fact, we had a discussion this morning about that, uh, about that very race and how this could be the most monumental race in the country come December. So we're working on it and appreciate your suggestion. Isabel in Long Island. How are you, Isabel? Hi, Bo. Good afternoon. Um, Bo, I, um, I want your take and maybe even Princess Di's take on this movement that's growing in the Republican Party to dump on Trump and basically just really sour, you know, souring, um, and they don't want him to run for 2024. And to me, this is my take. I believe that they're trying to break the MAGA movement by by actually um, having all these basically never Trumpers, and even those who supported Trump, to just start dumping on him to break the MAGA movement because those rhinos want to get back into the leadership um, position. So, you know, uh, please ask, you know, Princess Di, and I want your take on that too, uh, because it's really, you know, basically what's going to happen, you know, you hear it already all over, and I'm like, I say, okay, this is really going to split the Republican Party in two, and we're not going to win. Well, first of all, thank you for the call, and I appreciate hearing from you very much. Princess Diane, I have commented on this, and we are going to continue. On the night of the elections, I took to Twitter, and I am at Bo Snerdly, S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y, at Bo Snerdly on Twitter. And by the way, you should also sign up for the Daily BS. I do news stories, a news blast twice, <clears throat> excuse me, twice a day. Um, and you can go to uh, jamesgolden.com or bosnerdly.com. But I took to Twitter, and I said... Pretty much, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, not for nothing, I am not joining in this anti-Trump, this 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 throw Trump under the bus pity party that's starting to happen here. Because it began on election night, right away, with people trying to dump on Donald Trump. And we talked about it yesterday, uh, the princess and I, and we will talk about it again Friday if, it, if we have time. 
And no, we're not joining in on this dump Donald Trump. Now, does that mean that I not, don't support uh, uh, Ron DeSantis? Because that's what most people are doing. They're saying, you know, hey, DeSantis, you're it, and Trump, get out. I love Ron DeSantis. I love the man, and I love what he did. Uh, Ron DeSantis gives a model for Republican governors on how to clean up your state, how to lead a state, and how to become a national figure with strong leadership. And I love Donald Trump, and I make no bones about it, and I am not joining the dump Trump movement. It won't happen here. Whatever will happen in the 2024s will happen. But I'm not I'm not playing that business. Let us go to Lorraine. Thank you so much, Isabel. Lorraine in Rockville Center, how are you? Well, I'm doing okay. This is what I'd like to say. The progressive part of the Democratic Party is not progressive. They are recessive. I don't know why in the world anyone would call them progressive. They want to tax and spend the middle class back to the Stone Age. And the reason they call themselves progressives, because they've been lying for over a century. That is what Woodrow. That is what Woodrow Wilson and those guys call themselves when they introduced Jim Crow and they brought back segregation into the federal government. They call themselves progressives. That those are the people that gave us Planned Parenthood because they thought they could get rid of the inferior people with it. Those were the progressives that did that back then, and they have never changed from who they are. Oh, time to go. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll be back tomorrow. WABC, James Golden. Bye. Then later that night when the ship's bell rang, could it be the north wind they've been feeling? This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.